As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This is a podcast from The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. Hello, I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and welcome to the Game Podcast, the Peter Crouch's right boot of podcasts, says my producer and Crouchy fetishist. I brought my A-game today, and I'm joined by something of an A-team, too. Julianne Lawrence, Rory K. Smith, and from a secret location in lovely, lovely barns in West London, it's Mr. Matt Dickinson. In a little bit, we'll be getting into Rangers and Scotland and taxes and all that good stuff. But first... Let's start at the Britannia. All right, since, uh, as you can tell, our producer who writes my scripts uh, has already referenced it because he, he loves extremely tall men who can strike things hard from far away. Um, let's start from Peter Crouch's goal, since everybody seems to be convinced that uh, this could be is the instant goal of the season and um and and uh i'm told that uh there's some people who are debating whether it's the greatest folly in premier league history uh apparently uh dicko uh your boy gary neville's been asked to uh, uh to weigh in on this one I, i'm sure he won't make the mistake of saying that it was and instead will credit paulo di Cano's famous folly instead but um what's your assessment is, when, when we see this, obviously it's great to watch, but is it the kind of thing where it's one in a million or is it something do you think that he really practices in training and I suppose pulls off more often than not? Uh, we didn't try it that more often than not. I mean, he's done a few of them um, and uh, Crouch is, you know, he's, he's, had, say, he's had a few spectacular volleys, but it had a, it had a whiff of, of, of Justin Fashionu against um, Liverpool for me, a sort of, um, you know, let's, yeah, the, the ball is sitting up nicely. Let's let's have a swing, and I, I can't imagine he he thought through the precise trajectory as it uh, as it flew over Joe Hart. But yeah, Matt, not to, that's not that's not to, sorry, Matt. So I have to I have to jump in here because I'm getting a very confused look from um, from Rory Smith, probably because he's 23 years old and this was way before his time. But um, Justin Fashion, do you want to explain it? That was a goal of the season he scored, I believe, for Nottingham Forest against Liverpool many years uh, ago. Yeah, there was, there was it for Norwich. He basically had the back to goal ball teed up, and he'd been in wretched form and couldn't sort of normally shoot straight from two yards. And he suddenly just sort of back to goal swivelled and hit this this volley that um, flew in the top corner, and everyone thought, "Where on earth did that come from?" Um, no, He's I, rushing I thought, off to YouTube I, I, now to check it. I'm less I'm less surprised by Crouch doing it than the instant assumption that this suddenly makes him bound for Euro 2012. Um, I mean, Crouch Crouch is. 
is in the team 18 to score goals, and um, but he's also in a team to be part of a of a successful England team, and and his pattern has not fitted for you know pretty much four or five managers as apart from as an impact substitute. Uh, you know, one wonder goal does not an England striker make. I'm well, saying. Well, let's digress very very briefly on the England striker debate because I'm sure we have plenty of time on this. If you are the the mind that you need to bring at least one non midget among your strikers, one big man, um, and Peter Crouch is, I presume, in the mix. I mean, the other candidate. Well, first of all, actually, does everybody does anybody believe that you don't need to take at least one big man? Anybody oppose? Nope. No. Nope. Okay, so everybody agrees that you need to take one big man. Yep. Is, are Crouch's chances that bad, Dicko? When I mean, no, I, don't, I don't think they're bad. I just think you do, I mean, Welbeck goes. Obviously, Rooney goes. Sturridge will go. Um, Walcott will go as sort of half, mostly as a winger. But those are all little fellas, though. I mean, do you need yeah, do you need a Carroll well, Crouch? Welbeck, Welbeck, Welbeck's not little. But then, say, and I think you are down to one of. You're always going to be down to one of Bent, Carroll, or or Crouch. Um, now, Bent obviously Bent's injury. Um, Bent probably you know, on on recent selections would have been favourite, um, or then maybe less so if Harry Redknapp's manager. Um, so you maybe are down to Carroll v Crouch. Um, and okay. I would say the one thing I would just say is the Crouch. You know, Crouch is is very good at what he does, but what he also, what he does every time the ball is he's not a target man. And, and when the ball is played up to him, he takes it down. He tends to move back towards his own midfield five yards, and tends to slow the game down that way. And that's why successive England managers haven't picked him. He's not a flick on man. He's not. He's a, you know his height is, is 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 often very misleading. He's not an Emil Heskey, which some might say is a good thing. Um, but managers have found has not worked for them. As, as one of those who'd say that the fact that he's not Emil Hestia is a good thing, it's surely the fact that he's not a flick on man, as Matt quite rightly observes, is is to the benefit of the way England play football. You, England's curse for years has been the fact that you see someone who's over six feet tall, you lump it forward at them, and surely the fact that Crouch has the technical ability to bring the ball down, bring players into play, and sort of plays the fulcrum of an attack is a, is a bonus. Well, it depends who you play. I mean, obviously, Michael Owen, you know, absolutely loves playing with Emil Heskey for for, for for reasons of partnership. You know, and so it, you know, clearly, it depends who you are playing off or with Crouch. But you know, I'm just saying that you know, during the Owen era and and even subsequently. Crouch did not suit the way England wanted to, to build up their t- and tended to slow things down too much for managers who, you know, England didn't have the creativity to break t- mass defences down, so they had to hit on the quick break, and Crouch is not a quick break man. All right, I think we've, we, we've sort of exhausted the Peter Crouch subject for the next 10 years, although I should point out that um, nobody's brought up Bobby Zamora as a candidate, which is... Um, um, because he's rubbish. There you go. That's, that's, that's very, very respectful. <laughs> so moving on to uh, Manchester City, um, and obviously the, this result, of, well, as we speak now, Monday, they're top of the table on goal difference. Obviously, United have that goal in hand and go three ahead. Um, we love to talk about uh, mind games and Sir Alex Ferguson. It's, I think it, I guess this goes back to, uh, to the time he upset Kevin Keegan uh, in the mid-90s, or maybe Keegan upset himself. But um, we had a little bit of this going on this week, and it was instigated by uh, your fellow cheese-eating surrender monkey, uh, Patrick Vieira, who, of course, comes out and uh, says um, that United were a little bit desperate in, uh, in, in in bringing back Paul Scholes halfway through the season. And then, of course, Sir Alex, you know, 
reels him in hook, line, and sinker and says, oh, well, desperate, desperate is Carl, Carlos Tevez, blah, blah, blah. Now, uh, we've been told that Mancini just laughed it off. I don't know if he laughed it off in a jokey way or in like an insane, like freakish, like they're coming to get me paranoid way. Um, Julian, yeah, you know Patrick Vieira. I mean, I know him too. I, I don't think he was trying to wind anybody up when he said it. I don't think so. And I think, to be fair, it's, it's a good point as well. I, you know, for Fergie to go and get Scorzi back, it's clearly because he had a problem somewhere in midfield. Whether because he's injuries, desperate. No, but maybe because he was injuries, but I think more because he was not working at that time. And clearly Scorzi made things work much better for United. But at some point, you know, getting a 37-year-old man out of retirement clearly shows that there was something going wrong there. And, and he has worked. And I don't think Patrick was trying to... To upset anyone or to 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 start some mind games with Fergie at all, I, I do think that my, mind games are a myth. Though I don't think they win you or lose you in game at all. No, I, I go along with that. I think it's as you say, my, the whole mind games thing goes back to Keegan. Th- there is no other example of mind games working. Okay, now, um, but, there's, but a lot of equally, pe- that, are we saying that is an example of it working? I mean, I, yeah, I think I, I think we overplay them and and they become this hoary old thing. But you know, they, they must say something about a, a guy's management style about his management effectiveness um, so you know, I, I, I think maybe they're overplayed but uh, they reveal something but do you, but do you, that, do you think do you that when Mancini will, will uh, make his team for the next game he will think oh god Fergie just said this or just said no, that no, and no, I, should I think do it's, it. more, it's more they can reflect you know the, 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 the way a manager is exuding confidence or, or, or brittleness is part you know teams teams individuals tighten up when the pressure comes on and um, right. What what is said in the media can reflect, you know, whether a team is is confident or is tightening up. Well, actually, and this is my second Gary Neville reference of the day. He actually um, said an interesting twi- tweet on precisely the subject today. I, I I don't know if you saw it, Dicko, um, but I I would agree with you though that um, I, I don't think though Keegan's the only example. In fact, and I don't know if the skit's going to work um, via audio, but I remember somebody there with a whole stack of papers going fact. Fact, fact. Sure. Liverpool won ten of the next twelve. 12 well, you know games what? Okay, you know what? They say, what, what sorry, sorry, who is having Tony Evans here? We 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 we've got we've got the Yorkshire version. No, no, no. It's just it's, just, it's a fact. Yes. And then they won, won lots of titles and whatever. But okay. I so, would say that having Nabil Alzar on the bench was a greater factor in that title race than Ferguson getting at Rafa. Dicko, can you sort this? Can you sort the young man out, please? Well, the the, uh, the the facts were that Liverpool went on a winning streak. Yeah, and I agree, I agree that you know I'm not saying it is it, it's not the first factor, the second factor, or the fifth, but it it, it 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 can reflect where a manager's mind is, and and therefore you know if if a manager's walking around um, in an you know and he is he is tense, he is wrapped up in what the media are thinking or tr- trying to react to media that can transmit through a you know then it, that's you know we all know cultures are created from the top and and. And often reflect a manager, and um, there's no doubt that a lot of managers spend a lot of time thinking about the media, probably too much. I think um, that's all true. I, I think Dito's absolutely right that it does reflect a manager. I'm not sure. I agree with you, though. I'm not sure how much it affects the other team. I think it would it would well seeing their manager so so sort of ebullient in confrontation it would well give United's players a, 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 an extra dose of confidence. But I don't think I don't think Man City's players are reading the papers. No, well, not, not the English papers anyway. Except for Gareth Barry, actually, he strikes me as more Gareth like a Barry bookish type. Loves the Sudoku in the Independent. Does Fact. he? No, no idea. No, okay, All right. <laughs> stop picking up other newspapers. Um, uh, I actually, on this mind thing, game thing, I think it's just it's. What I notice reading media in different countries and in, in, in this nation, we always love like a, a narrative. 
and characters in our narrative and you know what and the mind games notion sort of fits perfectly into that it's the idea that you know ultimately you win titles by being mentally stronger and you know you get into people's heads all right let's move on to Stamford Bridge Chelsea and Spurs a lot of people saw this as uh, Chelsea's best chance to get back into the hunt for the top four. It didn't work out that way. It was nil-nil. But before we get into the game, it was, a, it was an absolutely fetid first half. I listened to sort of the radio and watched some of the stuff afterwards, and they're asking the players, like, how could you cope with the heat out there and whatever? Now, I should point out, I, I live very close to, uh, to Stanford Bridge. And yes, it was sunny. It might have been, what, 20 degrees, 22 degrees. 25 degrees at most, but it wasn't. What is it with you people and the heat? I know you're all sort of pale, pale. I mean, I'm looking at you, Rory. Um, because this is what I don't understand, right? You always talk about like, the oh, all of a sudden like it gets past 20 and it's like the heat, we can't cope. But then in the summer, you go out there and you sit all day yeah, on on the cricket green, right? Up in Yorkshire and stuff like that, where you're from? Absolutely, yeah. But what, what, what was <laughs> this just what, a, I'll tell you what, Gab, it never hits 20 degrees in Yorkshire, I can assure you of that. All right, fair enough. But is, is this just like a stupid thing that we say? Like, does anybody really no, think that the heat could have affected anything about that game you know, whatsoever? What's really stupid is that... Preoccupation. It's ever since ever since Paul Scholes ran out once in a summer tournament, and everyone thought they sort of literally saw him melt and and, and fry in his um, with his pale skin and his ginger head. We've all become paranoid about um, about English footballers going out in sunshine. We all we all overreact to the weather. There's no. I mean, if you, you walk around any English city this weekend, there's loads of people with their tops off and in tunnels, sort of shorts and stuff. It's March. It's 19 degrees in March. The really stupid thing is that most of the players on that pitch were foreign. Well, probably yeah. thinking it's freezing <laughs> running out in gloves and long sleeve t-shirt long, yeah long sleeves as well yeah no, I, saw, I saw Eunice Kabul singing, yeah. looking very very oh. upset at how hot it was <laughs> but no, I know whatever I, I just thought it was, it was completely completely demented but anyway um, Julian why was that first half so terrible all season long we're talking about you know the, the, the crash bang wallop of the Premier League and isn't it great all the big sides face each other and it's 8-2 and 5-4 and 3-5 this first 45 minutes were about as defensive and, and just horrible bad. and unimaginative as I've seen. There was so much at stake, maybe that, especially on Chelsea side. But I thought when they went to City, we blamed as well, Mateo then. No, 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 it's not that. I, I, I did think even when they went to City as well, and, and on Saturday they, they they were playing for not to lose more than for more well, than to win. To be fair, and and the first half they just tried to, they they stayed you know well organized. Didn't try to go forward too much. And, and Tottenham just had the ball and sometimes they don't know what to do with it apart the the last minute of the first half and it was just like a really weird game when neither of the teams looked like they wanted to win it to be fair or at least not lose it I mean the, 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 Roy, the City part I can understand because I think the plan was let's go to City get a point then we beat Spurs at home and Bob's your uncle and we're one point behind them and we're fine now obviously the City part didn't work out because they lost and this didn't work out um as a game plan, it was all right, but you have to do you have to do more, especially when Spurs seem to kind of happily conceding the ball in the first half, but in the second half they had the most possession. They did. I mean, Spurs looked looked 
the better side throughout I think they weren't neither side would want to remember that first half as you say but they, Spurs were the better team Chelsea just I think they were caught, in, caught between two stools they, they knew that if it was eight points that was them gone and Chelsea of all those big teams can't afford to be without the Champions League at all but if, if Chelsea aren't in the Champions League Chelsea kind of nothing so what happens if Chelsea aren't in the Champions League what's the what, what's give me this doomsday scenario well I mean who, who signs for Chelsea what's the attraction of signing for Chelsea if they're not in the Champions League Hazard, Hazard would definitely not go for example yeah exactly 150 yeah, grand a week the, the, the you get a chance to live in West London I mean, but if you've got the choice between there's only sort of how, well, how many top players are there in the world who Chelsea and City 37 there are 37 top players in the world who are available for transfer this summer and if you've got the cho- they're all, all the big teams are looking at, looking at the same players why would you go to Chelsea there's not it's not like if United missed out on the Champions League and you could you could say well you want to you want to play for Manchester United. It's not like if, if Spurs if Harry stays at Spurs and you say you want to play with Modric or Bale or play in that attacking style. What is the attraction of Chelsea if they're not in the Champions League? The fact that it's apart, West from, the fact, apart from the fact they can pay you money. The fact that it's West London and not White Hart Lane and you don't have to go and well, not, there's not that many Spurs players who live on Tottenham High Road. I'm not sure if that is. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't Benoit Suicato take like public transport to get there? Uh, there's, no. a few, there's a few players who, who still that's the myth Matter takes, takes the tube around Yeah but not to White Hart Lane Not to White Hart Lane exactly. well, He might go shopping yeah, Might yeah, go to Brent yeah. Cross uh, White Hart <laughs> Yes as, as Skinner's telling me in my ear There isn't a tube there You northerner <laughs> At White Hart Lane You have to take some That, that weirdo if train the Overland yeah, Or the bus yeah, Overland from Liverpool Street Walk from Seven Sisters Or yeah. walk from Seven Yeah walk from it's Seven It's a long walk though Skinner It's a long walk Alright Enough for this rubbish Let's move on to actual football um, Dicko, what you saw of Harry and, 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 and of this run, it's seven games, it's one win, and that was against Stevenage. Now, I actually think Spurs have played quite well um, in several of those games, but they're not getting the results. Um, you've historically been the single biggest Harry Redknapp advocate uh, in the English media. Um, <laughs> how does this color... Joke, joke alert, joke alert. How does this move on the conversation of Harry in England at all, that, these last seven games? Does it? Should it? No, it, it shouldn't. It shouldn't alter it at all. Although it's sort of, it was, it is sort of classic, classic English um, way of, of of things that he will probably be appointed England manager in the week when they've, you know, lost another six games and finished fifth or sixth or seventh or something just to, just to sort of throw the throw the uh, the media story, you know, lurch it back the other way. But no, I, you know, he should be England manager not because he's going to turn us into world beaters, but because, um, well, just he's the next the next the next man in line and you know they want to go go with an English manager and he, if they do he's the obvious candidate so so this this run doesn't doesn't say anything doesn't no it doesn't I mean it's they, not worrying or anything late. well it's I mean it's a bit worrying for Spurs fans because they've I, I agree with you I don't mean they've played desperately I mean for a period against Man United and the scoreline said different but uh, you know they, they, they were in that game um it does raise questions about their conditioning over the season. Um, someone, no doubt, will come up with stats, but um, I, I think there are signs that, that Harry's teams have um, faltered at this time before, and say that does raise questions about about conditioning. So I want to ask about that though, because how much of that down to the man? I mean, I'm assuming he's got a. F- I mean, in his in his sort of old, endless staff of Kevin Bonds and Les Ferdinand and Tim Sherwoods, I'm assuming he's got. Uh, well, it's, it might not direct, it sort of directly comes to him, but obviously, you know, part of a manager's skill, they have a lot of control at clubs and especially English clubs. And part of that skill is, 
is delegation and making sure you've got the very best staff around you. And you know, Tottenham are a big enough club that they certainly should have no excuses for lacking in sports science. So Harry's training's always Harry's training's famously light. His, his own coaching staff admit that that they don't do a lot of you get team people like Martin O'Neill who do loads of fitness work really drive the players hard Harry doesn't and there's a balance to be struck so O'Neill's mm-hmm. sides collapse in March because they're, they're knackered and Harry's sides collapse in March as the other, t- other teams kick on they've, they've built their stamina's built over the season you, as you know you, you might notice Julian and I giving you quizzical looks um, where we come from you have a fitness coach who deals with the fitness side of matters and your actual manager or coach deals with other matters is it fair to blame Harry Redknapps where we come from as well the, the, the manager turns up for training every day which is, not, which is not Harry's uh, case so, so I don't know. If okay, but Tim Sherwood does. We've all met Tim. Yeah, Sherwood. Well, so that's not well, Sherwood's. That's not Sherwood's job. Sherwood's not in charge of fitness. Sherwood. Would it be coaches? Yeah, he's he there. No, he, he's there to bring the players through from the from the youth teams to the reserves and into the first team. Bond and Joe Jordan take. But training. to be fair, the first players on Saturday didn't look that they were running out of steam at the the end of the game. No, they were actually it, more th- despite that horrible heat. I don't think it's that they don't yeah. have ninety minutes fitness. I think it's that the team uh, certainly foreign managers build their teams so that the way their conditioning works. I don't I don't understand the science of it. Is that in March when the season gets really hard like when you're knackered at they certain peak times at certain the, times yes. yeah. Harry doesn't do that and that's, that's what happens it's not that they drop off it's just that they're not they're not as fit as everybody else is and Bale, Bale's not had I mean Bale's been moved shunted around a bit over the last few months I and mean, there, there was a virtue in it early in the season where we saw him popping up almost as a sort of classic number 10 and chipped in with a few with a few uh, good goals but he, he just seems to have he's been moved around and not always effectively I mean I remember at the Arsenal game he was um, he sort of seemed to try a few positions and just never, never once got into the game. But um, but they're, they're not. They're, you know, they're, their run of results is not at all clever. But um, they're, they're not playing that badly, and certainly they were the better team on Saturday. So uh, you know, they, they, they are very capable still of finishing top four. Just talking about the the, the bail positioning, I do believe that Harry made some tactical mistakes. Along the line in those in that bad run, I think you know I think he played Modric on the left, for example, against United, where it was completely useless because that's not his position. And you've got one of the best central midfielders in the country. You play him on the left, you know it's like well, may as well play him left back then or right back or something like that. And I do believe that Harry has messed things up as well tactically in in those games. Yes, they didn't play too bad. I'm sorry, you know you can't play well and not win, you know that many times as well. At some point, they, they made some mistakes, and I think I tactically th- got some things wrong. The other thing I'd Which say I about agree is, 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 is quite, and it's quite a sort of surprise because the one thing you, know, you would associate with him, he, he tends to pick pretty well balanced teams. And I say I certainly remember that Arsenal game. It was the team, the team just looked, and the changes actually imbalanced it even more. So yeah, no, I agree. I think he's he's made he's made mistakes, but then. Um, you know, even even Harry, even Harry makes mistakes. In, in Harry's defence, I thought he, what he did on on the right hand side against Chelsea on Saturday was quite clever. He he played Van der Vaart there ostensibly, but then you had Sandro and a sort of. The train is now approaching junction at platform. Passengers, airport, please stay on board. Next stop, road station. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Like a right half-back position, I guess, so that as soon as Van der Vaart couldn't, decided he couldn't be arsed getting back, <laughs> Sandro would cover for him. The other thing I'd say about Bale, he reminds It's easy to do when you play one up, unlike the two yeah. I've played previously, which but doesn't always work. The thing about Bale, Bale against Chelsea particularly reminds... And I've seen Spurs, I think I've seen them in four of the five games they've lost, um, or in their bad run. And Bale reminds me of Steven Gerrard at his worst. When he gets the ball in that in that middle third just inside the opponent's half and he looked you can see him look at goal and he thinks I'm this is my job I run towards the goal and I shoot from distance and that's all Gareth Bale did on Saturday I think the fact that he's been moved around so much by Harry maybe has him believing his own hype a little bit some of you might say that's confident I guess it's six of one one half dozen of another um, just to wrap this up I need your percentage chances for fourth place I'm assuming we all agree or that Arsenal are going to be in the top four so Feel free to include Chelsea, Spurs, or Newcastle. Julian, um, I go. All right, have a think about it. Since it's forever, Rory K. <laughs> That's just what French people do before they speak. Right, you too. Uh, Come on. That's a, Spur- well, move everybody should be professional. Dicko, Sp- I'm going to start with you since you're a professional. Percentage chances, uh, the please. Start of the, the start of the season, I predicted. Spurs no, no, percentage chances it. now, not the start of the season. <laughs> Uh, percentage chances now I would say Tottenham have got uh, 50% I would say Chelsea have got uh, 40% and Newcastle 10 thank you see boys that's how it's done Spurs 75 Chelsea 24 Newcastle 1 George Calkin appreciates that Uh, Spurs 60 Chelsea 40 you don't even consider Spurs Uh, Newcastle alright well done in our debate this week, we're going to go to an exotic location north of the border, and that is Scotland. Um, unless you've not been paying attention, um, it's a remarkable case uh, in, uh, in Scotland involving, involving Rangers, well, several cases, in fact. Uh, the club, of course, are in administration. They've been docked points. Uh, they've had a change in ownership. Uh, they're involved in, uh, in two big tax cases with the revenue, who, which potentially, I mean, we don't know how things work out with uh, uh, the tax man, but, you know, could end up, end up costing them even more money. Um, and at the weekend, uh, Celtic faced Rangers at, uh, at Ibrox. Celtic had a chance to win the title at Ibrox, and it was just one of those, you know, humdrum old firm games where nothing much happened with Rangers somehow winning 3-2, uh, three players getting sent off, two for Celtic and one for Rangers. And Neil Lennon, the uh, Celtic manager, getting sent off as well. Now, Dicko, uh, you were up in Glasgow. You spent some time north of the border. Um, let's, start, let's start with the game, actually. Get that out of the way. Um, I'm assuming you've been to Old Firm games before. What was the atmosphere there compared to this one? Uh, my ears are still ringing, that's for sure. But the um, it was a surreal one. It, it, it was strange. It wasn't, I mean, clearly, you know, there is hostility. But actually, 
Celtic fans were determined to, to, to party come what may so we, even when they were losing 3-0 they were sort of joining in Rangers songs and pretending to celebrate Rangers goals and thinking well uh, deep down this is hurting but we're not going to show it because we're, we're, we're 21 points clear um, and Rangers fans were loving the moment um, celebrating like mad but also knowing they're going to wake up this morning still um, in about 90 million quid worth of debt so it, it was a, it was a slightly odd atmosphere um, and not not yeah, not sort of full of venom um, in the, in the way that I've experienced uh, one or two before. Now Neil Lennon was was sent off. Um, now I, I I've met Neil Lennon on, on more than one occasion uh, just before he became Celtic manager, and I found him to be intelligent. Um, charming and, and and you know actually really a really really lovely guy. And I'm not saying he's not a lovely guy because he was sent off, but I just think of the stress that he's under. And remember, this is a guy who, of course, has had has had death threats and whatever else. And and I'm trying to understand why does he continue putting himself through this as a Celtic manager to the point that you know he gets he gets himself sent off, you know, in, in a game like this when. You know, what do you make of this, Dick, and his sort of emotional investment? Because there's part of me that says, you know what? I don't need to win the title here at Ibrox. They're going bust. I've got a billion-point lead. I'll still win it next week. You know, what is it, do you think, about him and about the situation that just pulls you in so much? Well, it's, it's a double-edged thing. I mean, he, you know, he's, he's, he's clearly got a huge sort of competitive pride, and that, that was hurt by seeing his team underperform so badly. But equally, you know, he's got uh, he's got a, re- a relish for confrontation. You know, he, he you know the, the last time Celtic had two players sent off um, in an old firm game, he was one of them, and it was for arguing with a referee. You know, I was at the press conference on Friday, and someone said, oh, you know, how are you going to handle the atmosphere? They're all going to be after you. And his res- response was, I love it. That tells you everything. He thrives on spite, Lennon. I think he seems to be—he seems to be a sort of integral part of the old firm ri- rivalry. And he's—I mean—he's a boyhood Celtic fan. He comes from Northern Ireland, which is obviously—they feel it almost as much as they do in Glasgow and Northern Ireland. The Rangers Celtic thing, and and I, I, he just seems to—you I, I, don't want to blame him. You don't want to say that a victim of such sort of ridiculous and hor- horrific and evil measure things. Could in, in any way be culpable, but at the same time, you do wonder whether Lennon could act differently and maybe try and take the. I think it's uh, as someone who's who's, who's got Scottish heritage, I I would quite like Scottish football not to be a joke, and I think central to that is Rangers and Celtic sort of sorting themselves out, not just financially but sort of morally as well, and and stop indulging the, the ludicrous side of the derby. And Lennon, I think, encourages it. He's become sort of to the old firm what Mourinho is to the, the class, El Clasico but with a sort of sectarian twist to it I mean he you know he he loves to be this sort of lightning conductor for um, you know for, for all, for all the, the the angst around it and, and I think Rory's spot on you know he um, you know you, you, you can't hold him culpable but he, I'm afraid you know he is he is part of this sort of um, well the good side of it the nice side of it is pantomime the worst side of it is clearly pretty damn ugly and, and, and horrible and, and he is part of the perpetuating of it. Um, it's just, the, the, the whole issue is quite bizarre to me, having known 
I, I, I knew Tommy Burns, a former Celtic manager, who was really into, obviously really felt this very, very strongly. I, I, knew, I still know Lorenzo Amoruso uh, quite well, um, who was a Rangers captain. And people on both sides, I view this from afar with, uh, with a mixture of, of fascination and, and sometimes horror. But I want to broaden this out because if, if you can just sum up the, the Rangers tax and financial situation and its implications uh, briefly for those who might have missed it, Dicko, um, well, and, and whether and whether you think there's a there's a broader risk for other clubs in England and, and across Europe. Uh, essentially, it's I mean it's two areas that they're in 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 big trouble. Obviously, there was a owner Craig White who bought the club last May um, for a pound, um, did it by using um, season tickets that, uh, for the next few seasons. Um, and in addition, sorry, sorry, to that, sorry, sorry, jump in here. So basically, there, there, there's a company that just correct me if I'm wrong here. There's a company. He went to this company and he said, "Hey, lend me a bunch of money, and I will pay you out of the season ticket revenues for the next couple of seasons." So he, he literally sold. He sold four seasons worth of, of, of half the season um, tickets per season. Twenty-five thousand tickets per season. He sold to a company for tw- for twenty-five million, and he used eighteen million of that twenty-five to pay down the debt uh, he inherited from um, <coughs> when he bought the club from Sir David Murray. So there was a sort of, shall we say, financial sleight of hand, which is still being uh, investigated by the administrator um, and uh, quite possibly even the uh, Strathclyde police. Um, on top of that, he hasn't paid a penny of tax since his takeover. He took it took it from uh, uh, the pay the slips, but never actually passed it on to the tax man. So they're talking 15 million of that, which is what forced administration. And to cap it all, um, when he bought the club, he inherited um, the, the big tax case, tax case and the wee tax case, which are stretched back over a decade of Murray's reign. Uh, effectively, they were paying players, uh, sorry, allegedly they were paying players um, through these EBTs, um, offshore trusts. And the great debate about that is whether that was effectively salary by a different name or whether it was, as Murray claims, a discretionary payment um, and therefore um, not liable to tax. And a tribunal will rule on that in the next month, and it potentially means a 50 million liability to Rangers if they lose that tribunal. And the ramifications of losing it are, are endless. I think it's it's football of a, of a, as a mirror of society, isn't it, that we, we live in a country where... We're sort of we're looking we're looking after the the, the interests of the rich more than the interests of the poor. We're robbing grannies to pay to pay the to pay the, the billionaires. People are either introducing an austerity budget and then you've still got the people who've got the most money yeah. shifting all their money offshore. We okay, live in a, we live in a free what market. What does that have to do with Craig White though? Vulture capitalist society, and we run our football clubs like that. Well, maybe, maybe if Craig White were rich and the government was looking after his interests, he wouldn't need to go and take money from ticketers to go and create this house of cards to buy Rangers. He could have just bought it out of his. Own pocket. That's very true. I think David Murray has to, has to be looked at as well. Without even leaving aside yeah. the, the legality of the, of the tax payments, as, as Ditto says, that's that's sort of under un, that's subdued to saying I don't want to talk about it. I get in trouble. But they spent way beyond their means for 15 years. This is what happened, and well, that's we the don't, problem. Okay, so Deco, I just want to clarify this because I think this is the one area of this whole case which is a lot of relevance. I think to people south of the border uh, as well, and, and um, to my producer Chris, please keep this pi- keep, uh, please keep this bit in the show. 
which is this, right? These EBTs, these, these forms of uh, these offshore trusts, which are used to make discretionary payments uh, to footballers, um, they were very popular with Premier League clubs not that long ago. And basically, in a nutshell, for those who don't understand, um, footballers would sign these big image rights contracts and um, they would sell their rights to these fictional offshore companies and then the clubs would pay the money there and so they basically be getting the money almost net and it was a way to, to pay people more money and avoid taxes and save yourself money. Now, many clubs did this and many clubs, and if you remember it came out, I believe, in Ray Parler's divorce case, uh, that Arsenal were one of them. When the tax man said, hey, you can't really be doing this, as I understand it, the clubs in England changed the way they paid their players. Well, I think, um, I think there are slight differences. I know, I mean, we had a good story a couple of weeks ago, Ashling, about Manchester United settling with the taxman over image rights. I mean, it's, there is some d- discussion about um, about how how far you can pitch the image rights. You know, is, is exactly is, is, is it equitable? You know, d- does it seem fair that, for example, ten percent of Rooney's income, you know, uh, the, the the value of that um, compared to his basic salary? And I think, to be honest, that that has largely been a degree of haggling between clubs and the. T- Man about you know is it is say should it is should image rights represent five percent ten percent or twenty percent the difference as far as I'm aware with Rangers is that this wasn't this wasn't called image rights uh, or anything like it it was it was this bizarre um, discretionary payment I mean EBTs are, are meant to be sort of loans effectively um, and, um, and and I think this is a whole different area but which is why HMRC are pursuing it so vigorously. The, but but the, the the key thing which doesn't add up for me here, right, is I'm assuming Rangers have accountants and things like that, and and obviously a lot of complicated tax stuff is is they're the they're gray issues, right? The the gray areas rather. There's two things I don't add up. First of all, if Rangers were doing this, I'm assuming their accountants were saying it was okay to do it, and uh, and their tax lawyers were 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 doing it, and and they were doing this after talking to HMRC, who told them yes, this is okay. And secondly, if all other clubs knew Rangers were doing this and it was a way of saving yourself money, if all other clubs looked at it and thought it was okay, why weren't wasn't anybody else doing it? I mean, I, well, I, I believe I Celtic was, was all given the possibility of doing it, and they decided not to do it. It comes down to partly comes down to scale, doesn't it? I mean, I think you know, the, the, the tax man can. Um, Say will haggle to uh, settle a, a case with with one person who they think has you know maybe pushed their luck because um, you know there are huge grey areas um, in taxation. Whereas they will pursue more vigorously someone who they think has um, taken the um, POWS. So it's it, it 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 can often be degrees of scale, can't it? You know, and and whether the taxman feels that someone's been trying to pull a fast one or not. And clearly, in the case of Rangers. Rangers dabbled at EBTs, um, sort of, and, and then effectively, from the outside, it appears that they may have got greedy and just pushed and pushed and pushed, um, and, and that's why they built up this huge backlog and, and potential liability. Well, whatever you think of it, it's, a, it's an incredibly sticky situation and quite a sad one as well. All right, time now for some quick hits. Who's excited? Fabrice Mwamba is reportedly doing much better as of Monday, and we're all grateful for that. But meanwhile, Bolton defeat Blackburn 2-1 and crawl out of the relegation zone. Rory, are they staying up? I think it's between them and QPR. I think Wolves will go. I think Wigan, despite their heroic victory at Anfield on Saturday, will go, unfortunately. And I think a lot will depend on whether Bolton can take advantage of QPR's incredibly hard running. 
and Chibosise uh, getting himself sent off all the time, but we'll get to that in a minute. Liverpool lose at home to Wigan. Dicko, they now have three f- points fewer than they did at this stage last year when a man named Roy Hodgson uh, was in charge, uh, although not by this phase of the season, and the fewest number of home wins since the early 1950s when they were relegated. Uh, brutal question, uh, since you have neither Scouse accent nor particular Liverpool allegiances, unlike some, is it time to rethink Kenny? Well, for Kenny to rethink, or for Liverpool to rethink whether they should have him as manager. I mean, yeah, this, this, well, this is proving that Hodgson, you know, was was you know is a is is a decent manager who um, had problems at Liverpool, and that Kenny is a you know okay manager, but not the Messiah um, that he was painted when he came in. You know, he's he's addressed a few issues, but um, has also made some some clanging mistakes. And uh, I think he'll continue into next season because Fenway will 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 bottle it. But I don't think he's going to turn Liverpool into a Champions League team. No. All this negativity. Arsenal demolish an awful Aston Villa side, but Theo Walcott scores a great goal and a place in next year's Champions League now looks certain. Julien, I remember you being rather critical of Monsieur Wenger earlier this year. Will you maintain your rapid, your rabidly anti-French stance, or will you eat humble pie and explain just how Wenger managed to turn things around for the Gunners? I still think he made some mistakes at some points, and, uh, and and for example, not recruiting any fullbacks in January even on loan. But I do have to give him credit. For, for turning things around so so well, you know, he, he, he stick with with someone like Walcott, for example, when he was not really in confidence, and uh, and obviously, um, you know, he, he kept great faith in that team, in the formation he played, on, and, and, and you know, and gave a good boost to the players when they needed to. So credit to him for for turning things around. And now Walcott's a superstar again, so we give credit to Arsene Wenger. Marignol was rather frank this weekend, saying that if his prized trio of Clint Dempsey, Moussa Dembele, and Brady Hangelad wanted to leave, he wouldn't stand in their way. Uh, albeit, of course, they'd have to leave at the right price. Uh, Rory, I know you're cut out for this. Why don't you play matchmaker? Give me a realistic transfer fee for each and tell me where you think they would be a good match. Okay, so Dempsey's contract is up in the summer of 2013, so I think he'd get you maybe $5 million which I think would be an absolute bargain for Tottenham or Liverpool. Uh, Moussa Dembélé, probably a little bit more, maybe 10, 12 in a slightly depressed market, plus he doesn't have a final ball. Uh, I would say somewhere like... I mean, to be honest, yeah, Liverpool or Tottenham again would probably do, do quite well to, ha- to have him, one of the two for each, let's say. And then Breda Handeland... Not on a bit now, isn't he? Handeland six, maybe seven. Someone like Everton, maybe maybe Newcastle. But to be honest, I think he could do a, a lot worse than just stay at Fulham. He seems to fit in there. He's not he's not good enough to play for a Champions League team. So I wonder if he maybe should stay. There you go. Teams out there looking for a director of football, Rory K. Smith might be available at the right price. Newcastle win again, this time against West Brom and Roy Hodgson, the man who used to be the next England manager. Uh, Dicko, we've been waiting for them to collapse all season long. I asked for your percentage chance of them qualifying for the Champions League earlier, so I won't ask you that. But instead, I will ask you... um, what I ask people about Newcastle every single week. How on God's green earth do they keep winning with Williamson and Perch at the back and Colicini and Taylor get injured and everything goes wrong and Papisise stretchered off and yet they still win? What is it? I, I, I was going to say in true journalist fickle fashion, I, I, I gave them 10% chance early in the champ, in, of getting the Champions League and I, I could just raise it to 20% because you know 10 minutes have passed and um, we changed our mind and I, I actually look at their fixture list and they must have the easiest running of all of those big ever those Champions League contending teams don't they 
So I'm going up. I'm, I'm raising. I'm raising them. I'm raising them to fifteen percent. Newcastle fans. Dick goes on the bandwagon. He's getting on. QPR lose at Sunderland after Gibril Cisse gets himself foolishly sent off. Not for the first time this season. It's happened before. It could well happen again. Julian, you have two options. You can defend your insane countryman, just as I always defend my own insane countryman, Mario Balotelli. Or you can tell me what Mark Hughes should do to him. And please make it as violent and graphic as possible. Listen, he will be banned for four games, so there will be only four games left. He should stay home for the last four games of the season <laughs> so he can realise how stupid it was again this weekend for, for that tackle that, that could cost a lot to his team. And maybe he can reflect on all of that to you know to, to, to start next season in a better sort of way and better moods. In the championship. In the championship. Because he could have cost he could have cost his team safety for sure. You know, is, is he just is he a bit loopy or is this because he seems no, like a nice enough guy? He is. He's very passionate, I think, and I think he's sort of like he, he's loving already QPR and the fans and everything, and he got so passionate that sometimes he do very stupid things. He's not the brightest either, so I'm sure he appreciates you saying that. Gabriele, one for you. Uh, Milan versus Barcelona is the pick of this week. This week's Champions League games. How do they do on at the weekend? Well, it, it was a tale of two teams at the weekend. Rory K. Smith. Um, uh, Milan uh, beat, beat Roma two one. I thought they were somewhat fortunate to do so because Roma went out there to attack and took the lead, and then just kept attacking and attacking. And Milan kind of nailed them. Um, well, penalty for the first one, and then uh, got them on the break for the second one. But the big news for Milan is that Thiago Silva is out, which is a tremendous blow. He will likely miss both the first and second leg which makes their prospects rather bleak as for Barcelona they had uh, um, a rather uh, tough uh, away game um, and of course no Abidal no Danny Alves um, Danny Alves will be back for the Champions League Abidal of course will not um, but hey you know they uh, they got the 2-0 win that they needed and, uh, and and they trudge on Thiago by the way got sent off in that game I, I still think Barcelona pretty stuck on to make the uh, semi-final and setting up a wonderful rematch against Chelsea. That's all we've got time for this week. But remember, you can go to thetimes.co.uk. You'll find your news, your gossip, your analysis, the web chats. Rory, is your web chat on Mondays? It is on Mondays. And Dicko, you do a web chat too, right? Thursdays. There you go. Most days of the week, you can web chat to uh, your favorite Times writers. And not just them, but Rory as well. You can also follow us all on Twitter. We're all on there. Um, it's been a privilege uh, having you with us. So, till next week. Bye-bye. helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.